Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father, on this Ash Wednesday, we pray that you would give us wisdom, that you give us self-awareness, and that, Holy Spirit, you would shine the light of Christ into our hearts so that we could know where exactly it is that our heart is. pray all this in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, welcome to Ash Wednesday. Welcome to Lent. This is my 10th Lent feels like a sense of accomplishment. I'll never forget my very first Ash Wednesday. I had been learning to be still and not like my mom would tell me when I was a child, be still, be still, be still. But I was learning to be still and I was learning to turn down the volume in my life and to listen for God. And the next morning, so in that Ash Wednesday service, I'll never forget John Schuler, who many of you heard a few weeks ago preaching here. Um, he said, instead of giving up something for Lent, why don't you take something on? And I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to take on listening to God. And when I did that, the next morning my life took a dramatic turn. Um, and now I wear a robe on Sundays. That's, it was, that was really the decisive moment when the Lord said, you're going to go from being a musician, a worship leader, to being a priest. Um, so be careful what you take on this season. There's something powerful and palpable. Um, we're not made for Lent, but Lent, this rhythm, this season of the church year, is made for us, the people of God, to step into. And as time passes through the church and it's refracted and we see the life of Christ we realize that we're going to walk with Jesus through some really difficult days. This Sunday we'll hear about his temptation, his fasting, and on and on. And we'll move on those several Sundays all the way up until his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. And of course on Good Friday, his death and resurrection. So as you walk, I want you to be aware of a few things. And I want you to ask yourself, 
a particular kind of question. And the question is this, where is my heart? Young Red Gerard, 17 years old, was the very first American at these games, uh, these Olympic games, and I cannot stand how we always say these games, but we have to say that. So we say that. He was the very first American to win a gold medal at these games in Pyeongchang, South Korea. What is his sport, you may ask? Slope-style snowboarding. I was reading this morning in the newspaper um, where the sports writer was talking about this young man, and it was odd to me because Mr. Gerard, though he had just won a gold medal, though it would seem that he's on his way to snowboarding fame, which I know we all long for in our own way, he was kind of meh about the Olympics. And he said, yeah, I'll see where I am in the next three years, and if I want to do it again, I'll do it again. In fact, his next competition in these games is February 24th. But he won't be in Korea, South Korea, at that t- between now and then. He has to go to L.A. He has to go to New York for some photo shoots, for some television appearances, because for young Mr. Gerard and other snowboarders, the Olympics really isn't where they want to be. That's not where they make their money. And I was reading, as I was reading that, I thought, this guy's heart is just not in the Olympics. He's there. He's, uh, you know, cleaning up, winning gold, but his heart is not there. This is a season where you're, you're going to be tempted to put some shoulds on your life. Gosh, I should do this, and I should do that, and I shouldn't do this, and I shouldn't do that. And the things are probably okay, but there's a problem sometimes with shoulds. Because when you don't do the should, or when you do the should not, and I'm not talking about like mortal, notorious sins, I'm just talking about, man, I shouldn't eat that, or I shouldn't drink this. Because when you don't do the shoulds, what happens? You're filled with guilt. I mean, I am at least... So don't make for yourself a new law. When Pilate asked Jesus when he was being accused and about to be crucified about his kingdom, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. So friends, our observance of Lent, our fasting, our praying, our almsgiving, our sacrifice, our self-denial, will involve things of this world, but it should point to a hope that is much greater than any kingdom of this world. And so, when we hear the call to a holy Lent tonight, when we receive the ashes on our forehead tonight, it's not an invitation to put stack more shoulds up on your life so that you feel worse and that you will inevitably flunk Lent, as Chris told me this morning, that he might or might not be want to do. But it's an invitation. It's an invitation to turn down the volume. It's an invitation to create some space. Because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It is beyond anything we can comprehend. And this season, of all seasons, is the opportunity 
for us to step into that space and ask the question, where is my heart? The prophet Joel and Jesus both mention some what we might call traditional spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are tangible, tactile behaviors that we can step into and enter into that help us turn down the volume. I don't know about you, but in my mind, there's always a tune (laughs) or a movie quote or a funny joke that I'm still trying to retell with the perfect timing in my mind. There's always something going. I need something to help me besides a nap to turn down the volume. I need something to help me to create space. Joel talks about weeping and fasting and mourning, rending our, rending our hearts, our garments too, as they did in that day, but really rending our hearts. And Jesus even says to people of Israel, and when you fast, I hate fasting. <laughs> Can I just be honest? It's the worst. I love to eat. I don't like to be uncomfortable. I don't like feeling shaky and wobbly. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. But Jesus says, when you fast. He's challenging us. He's inviting us into something that is a work and that we receive something from it. Did you notice that? Each of those three instances, almsgiving, fasting, and praying, he said, don't be like the hypocrites because they give, they pray, they fast in public for the notifications and the notoriety of their peers. But when you fast, when you give, when you pray, do it in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is giving. Because your father who sees in secret, your father who hears in secret, he will reward you. So friends, when we ask ourselves the question, where is our heart? When we step into these disciplines that are purposefully uncomfortable, we're starving something in our lives in order to feed something else. And you notice that Jesus says, you do it in secret. There's something about, when I think of that phrase, I think of, of a seed. Maybe you, you know, a seed falls from a tree or from a flower. Maybe a bird comes through and he pulls a mulberry off a tree. And when he's done with it and all the remnants are left over, and there's enough of a kernel of that mulberry there. But it doesn't become a mulberry tree yet. It's not the Chronicles of Narnia quite. What has to happen? Well, it has to get covered up in some dirt. And that's a secret sort of process. It's not seen by anybody. And then the seed has to die, just as Jesus describes of his own life. Before he can be raised up, he has to die. But in that place, when that seed is dead, in that secret place where it's dark, where it's uncomfortable, 
where it seems like there will never be any sort of breakthrough from the surface of the soil. That's where life happens. That's the beginning of it all. And Jesus says, and your father who sees in secret, who sees your struggle, who sees your shame, your hurt, your wounding, your guilt, the stuff that's already been taken on the cross, the stuff that Jesus at his core was tempted to take on himself in a shortcut kind of way by Satan. All of that stuff, God says, I see it in secret and I will reward you. And the last bit of this passage is so striking to me because it sums it all up. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Because Jesus has been talking this whole time about if you do this thing in secret, you are laying up for yourself a treasure in heaven. If you do that in secret, you're laying up for yourself a treasure in heaven. Don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. Moths seem so innocent and so cute. And one time there was a cute little moth that got into my closet. And I found out later that someone else in my family thought, oh, that's neat, a moth. And then I got to the Christmas party that year and I looked on my sleeve. I went out to shake somebody's hand and there were <laughs> like holes rifled through it. Moths are insidious. But what had happened was sometimes when the things that we possess, if we don't keep them in proper perspective, those things can possess us. It doesn't have to be a nice coat. It can be your black wing pencil sharpener that somebody took off your desk. Or it can be that old broken down car that you keep working on and fixing. But when we let those things possess us, they will gnaw away at our hearts just like the moth. At first it seems, oh, it's in that sweet. But it turns out the moths were coordinated and insidious and destructive. Friends, when you fast, when we fast, when we pray, when we give out of our abundance to those in desperate need, let's do it in secret. Let's do it asking ourselves the question, where is my heart? Is my heart set on the notoriety? Or is my heart set on my Father who is in heaven? Because do you know what the reward is? It's not some churchy, Christian-y rewards program. The reward of God, C.S. Lewis says this, the reward of prayer the reward of communion with God is God's self. We can be enamored and in awe of all the things around us in this kingdom that will be shaken. But we who are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken need to ask ourselves the question, where is our heart? And may it be for all of us, it's with our Father in His Son fueled and powered and having the bright light of God and, and the Holy Spirit shining down upon us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.